Good evening, and <clears throat> thank you for your uh, kind attention while they sang. They both did a good job. Thanks to Nathan and Jade for their songs. And I don't know how Pastor Muncie felt this morning when he got up here, but I know how I feel getting up here after hearing good preaching like we heard this past week um, with Brother Strange, and I'm no, um, no comparison uh, to him in regards to uh, preaching. He's very eloquent in his uh, presentation of the, uh, uh, <clears throat> you can tell he's very astute in uh, knowing what he knows, but I was uh, sitting over there thinking as they were singing and just this thought come to my mind and I'm just going <clears> to, <throat> this has nothing to do with my message, but the Lord says in Proverbs, the Lord hateth the proud look. It also says the, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. It says the proud in heart is an abomination. It says a proud heart is sin. It talks about the proud, talks about, of course, pride and the pride that uh, we boast up and thinking it's, uh, he said, uh, <clears throat> pride do I hate. And uh, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. And um, if there's one thing that uh, I could convey to you tonight, um, and uh, it, it's humbleness and learning how to be humble. And uh, uh, the Bible says that Christ uh, humbled himself and be, became a servant, even unto death, the death of the cross. And uh, humbleness goes a long way in this life and not having, uh, not being a proud person. I'm proud of what God's done for me. Um, I'm proud of my family. I'm proud of, of, of the things that I've been able to accomplish on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm not proud of the things that I've done in my flesh and the things that uh, I've done to heap up any glory to myself. God deserves all the glory. And uh, I don't know why that came to mind, but uh, I guess uh, uh, <clears throat> when Nathan was singing there that uh, just letting God hold your hand and uh, God's the one that uh, leads. Uh, if you turn in your Bibles tonight to uh, the book of Luke chapter seven, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I spoke at um, Miss Ann Ray's husband's funeral earlier in the week and I spoke on this subject and I didn't feel like that I really did uh, too great a job on it, but uh, there's a lot of good points um, in, in this little story that's only found in the book of Luke. Uh, <clears throat> Luke chapter 7, verse 11, and we see here that we've got the widow's son that was raised. And um, uh, a story that uh, I don't know that I've, I've heard a lot of uh, messages on over the time, but... What I want to speak to you on tonight, and, and <clears throat> what I say is, is you're you're individually important to God, and uh, you, uh, from the, the the singularly standpoint, just you, you're important to the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of us have a purpose, and uh, God has. Uh, saved you for a purpose. If you're not saved tonight, then uh, I can tell you the, the purpose for the Lord Jesus Christ is for you to trust him as your Lord and Savior tonight. 
Um, but if you're saved tonight, uh, uh, God's got a, a, a purpose. And uh, this uh, is a miracle. We talked much about miracles in the book of John in my Sunday school class, but this is a miracle that occurred. <clears throat> All right, uh, back to Luke chapter 7. Uh, let's read a few verses here. Uh, verse 11, it says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came fear uh, on all. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John showed him all these things. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. I pray, God, that you would help me to speak, help me to be clear. Um, and I pray that you would use me, Lord, to uh, touch the heart of your people. May we be better for it this evening. It's in Jesus' name I make my prayer. Amen. The miracle that's, that's here occurred the day after the centurion servant was healed. And, uh, uh, you know, practicality tells us that Jesus was doing good every day. It just wasn't this day or the next day. He didn't heal on one day or do something. He was doing something every day during his earthly ministry. And one of the things that uh, the practicality of that, and the reason I say that is, is that's how we ought to live our Christian lives as well. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a Wednesday thing. It's every day of our life that we ought to have our steps ordered by the Lord, that we ought to be doing what God has called us to do, living our Christian lives, uh, in, in, in favor with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, wherever Jesus went, uh, he, he upset the status quo. And that's what, uh, even at a funeral that we see here in the story that we read, he, he upset what was uh, what I would call status quo, the, the things that uh, uh, we call, we, we come into services and we expect, and, and we're bad about this as Baptists as well, we expect a ritual of the service to go on. Somebody's going to sing, uh, we're going to get up there and have a couple songs, we're going to have a special. It's okay to not have status quo ever once in a while. It's okay for somebody to get excited about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know why we sit sometimes and we act like that we have to have our heads down. And I can tell you this morning, it was probably hard for him to preach this morning. Uh, you can sense it when you know when you're the one that stands up behind the pulpit and you look out into the crowd and you see the gloom and doom that's on everybody's faces that says, I wish that he would shut up so we could all go home and do what we've got to do. And, and it's hard, but Jesus upset that status quo. It wasn't the same thing. You know, I wonder sometimes if we reversed the services and had altar call and then did everything in reverse, what would happen? Uh, it would throw everybody for a loop. And everybody would say, what in the world is going on here? But we see how a funeral procession here was transformed 
uh, from sadness into celebration. Jesus and his disciples, they they were followed by a large crowd of spectators and they were on their way to the village of Nain. And Nain was just a short piece from uh, Capernaum. And from what I've read, the, the, the population of Nain at this time was anywhere from 17 to 1,800 people that lived in that village. And as this honorage approached the city gate, a funeral procession was on its way out. And the only son of a widow lady had died. And the mourners were all accompanying uh, her. And the, the coffin, as it was carried to the place where it was going to burial, Luke commented, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. So Jesus interrupted the procession that was there long enough to stop death, okay? And, and, and we see that he, he interrupted it long enough and he said to the widow, weep not, widow, weep not. And with that, he walked over to the coffin, he touched it, and then he said, young man, arise uh, from there. And we can read, we've read, we've read the story here, what's there, and only imagine what a joyous occasion and it must be to see for this woman to see that her son was raised from the dead and that she was able to see him alive again. And uh, the boy sat up and he began talking to those that were in the funeral procession. And scripture says, and Jesus delivered him back to his mother. And uh, it's kind of like the prodigal son that had been gone away for a while. And uh, he'd been down with the swine, with the pigs and and, and doing the things. But when his father saw him, uh, there was joy in the house that his only son had come back and that 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 communion was restored. We see that the celebration was about to begin. And there's some truths that are in this little passage of scripture here that are, you know, that makes it different from most funerals that we go to, to most church services that we go to. First is, as the Bible says there, and when the Lord saw her in verse 13, the Lord saw her. She didn't see the Lord. The Lord saw her. Uh, aren't you glad the day, the day came when the Lord saw you and he picked you out of a crowd and he said, I want to save that young man. I want to save that young lady. I want to save that gentleman. I want to save that lady. I want to use them for my glory. God picked you out. He saw you. He saw that you were fit. There's none of us that were fit. Uh, God didn't uh, uh, pull me out and say that I was fit for doing it. God saw me. He saw the state I was in. He saw that I was helpless, that I was hopeless, that I needed a savior. And God saw me and he saw fit to save me. Thank God for that tonight. And, and, and we, we, we see here that God uh, saw her and, and, and she didn't run to Jesus and beg him to bring her son back to life. You don't read that in this story that, that, that she was begging him uh, for that. Uh, uh, for her, it was too late. It, it, her son was dead. They had had the funeral. They were taking him to the place of burial. She had lost her most valuable possession in life. Do you understand that she was a widow? All she had was her son. And her son was probably going to take care of her in the later days of her life. That was going to be her, uh, her rock. That was going to be what uh, uh, provided the things that would have been at home that took care of her, that helped her. And it was gone. That was her communion. That was the one that she had fellowship with, uh, her family that was there. No doubt what this <clears throat> widow needed was her boy's help in the days ahead. 
No power was great enough to change what had happened to her son. He had died. She was so weighed down with the grief, she didn't even notice that Jesus was around. But he saw her and everything changed. When God sees you and he sees the state that you're in, and if you receive what Christ has for you and you put your faith and trust in him, things will change. God will change things in your life. And and he sees the state that you're in. He saw the state that she was in. Thank God that he had compassion on her. He he picked her out. You think that God, uh, uh, the, the God of this universe, the God that came to save his people, the children of Israel, and this woman uh, from Nain is walking there. She's a widow woman. And God picks her out and has compassion on her. He can use anybody, folks. He uses us all. And you're important to the Lord. You're singularly important to the Lord. You're individually important to God. God doesn't care your background, where you're from, who you're with, where you're going. And that God wants to use you for his service. His eyes affected his heart. His eyes. God's eyes affected his heart. Jeremiah said in Lamentations that my eye affected my heart because all the daughters of my city. Your eyes affect your heart. That's why it's so important to guard your eyes. Your your eyes, what you see, what you take in, it affects your heart. Young people, listen to me when I'm telling you. Your eyes affect your heart. The TV, the things that you watch, the people that you see, the places that you go, it affects your heart. It affects the decisions that you make in life. I know it affected my decisions that I made in life. And it'll affect them in the right way or it'll affect them in the wrong way. Jesus saw her and it affected his heart. He had compassion on his uh, people all throughout Scripture. He looked upon his own, uh, the, the children of Israel. And what did he do? Uh, you read in the Old Testament, time after time, what? He had compassion on them. When he was feeding the 5,000, when he was feeding the 4,000, when he was doing all the miracles that was there, he looked upon them and he what? He had compassion on them. And he had compassion on this lady. This one little old widow lady that was there that had lost her son and Jesus saw her. Jesus sees us. He knows what we're going through. But even the very hairs of our head are all numbered is what the Bible says. He said, fear not therefore, you are more value than a sparrow that uh, uh, falls from the air is what he says. Hebrews 4, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. The second truth that we have here, or one of the, another truth that can be pulled from it, is not only that Jesus saw her, but his heart overflowed with compassion for her. And, uh, you know, Jesus didn't merely acknowledge uh, the heartbreak this day had, that had brought to the woman that day the, that, that was there. He didn't just acknowledge and, and, and say that. He didn't just step aside to let the funeral procession go by and say, well, you know, let's pray for this lady and, and uh, <clears throat> she's lost her son. He stopped the casket bearers right where they were to restore dead life to a son. 
That shows the compassion that he had for. He raised the boy from death to life, not to draw attention to himself, but to d- demonstrate his compassion uh, toward this woman. And, and the Lord does different things like that in our, in our lives, ourselves, to demonstrate his compassion towards us and the love. He, he, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's not willing. Those that sat in our services this week, that there were several that sat in our services that I know that they're not saved. God is giving them, he's showing compassion, he's showing mercy uh, to those folks and saying, you've got another opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm giving you that opportunity. He's showing his compassion. He does not want them to perish. God wants to see them saved. And I know it that he does. And as much as God wants to see them saved, I know that there's friends that are there and family that are there that want to see him saved as well. And we need to show that same compassion towards our family, our friends, and the loved ones that we want to see saved as well. God uh, uh, works in different ways sometimes. And I don't know what it takes to break somebody's heart sometimes. Uh, Sometimes it takes a tragedy in their life to break their hearts to get them to where they need to be. That goes for somebody that's been saved as well. That goes for the backslider in heart, that, that one that's far away from God, uh, that, that isn't living for the Lord Jesus Christ as well. They need something. Sometimes God has to, uh, what I would call, lay the wood to them. He has to spank them in order that they get their lives right with God and see the error of their wicked ways in order that they live for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's had to spank me many times in my life. And if you're a Christian, uh, and, and, and I know my father is holy, and, and I serve a holy God, and I don't live a holy life all the time, and he has to spank me and get me back in order. But that's the compassion uh, that he showed there. For God so loved the world that he gave, what? His only begotten son. What compassion, what love that he had for us. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassion's not. That's the reason you're not consumed. God could take you out of here. You think you deserve salvation tonight. We think we deserve what we got. That's why I read about the, the proud and the pride. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Thank God he was compassionate with me and saved me. I don't know why we think we deserve things. We live in a uh, society of entitlement. We're all entitled. I'm entitled to it. No, you're not entitled to it. Thank God that God give it to you. He's the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one that provides the water that runs through the streams that, that is able to be treated, to be sent to your house. The, the one that provides the, uh, all the, the companies that provide the electricity, the gas, the comforts by which you live tonight. You're not entitled to it. God provides it. I don't know why we think that we own this stuff. God owns it. God puts people in power. He puts the wicked in power just like he puts the good in power. And we think that we're entitled to certain things. I thank God that I've got it. You're to thank God for all things. I think that's in the Bible somewhere if I read it. It didn't say thank God for some of the things that you got. All good things come from above. He's the creator of it all. And he's compassionate towards us. We could live in some of these countries. We had these boys up here that were up here all week. You ought to shed a tear or two for some of these boys that are up here. You ought to go to the place that they live. 
I haven't been to Papaway and I haven't been to India. I do plan on going. And, but I have been to Haiti. I've been in a third world country. I know how these folks live. And man, the comforts that you and I have in this life, you ought to thank God you were born on this soil. You go, you go see it one time and it'll open your eyes. It's a life changing event. You'll never look, you'll never look at what you've got the same again. You'll never look at it that way. You'll be thankful to God for the things that you've got. We're to exercise that same kind of compassion in our life. He said, finally, brethren, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love his brethren, be pitiful, and be courteous in First Peter. Have compassion of one another. And it, that's hard. That's a hard commandment to be compassionate of others when you see in, in, in them the uh, <clears throat> what I would call ignorance sometimes, foolish stuff. And being compassionate of the, the foolish things that go on. But uh, the Bible says that he hath not dealt with me or us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. If God had rewarded me and given me what I deserve, I wouldn't be standing here tonight. And when we look at it from that perspective, we put pride out of the way. We put pride out of the way. And we have compassion on one another. Our Lord and Savior is compassionate tonight. And thank God that he is. And we see the compassion that he had for this lady. The last truth that uh, we can see here that I'll go over this evening is no one is ever lost in a crowd when Jesus arrives on the scene. No one is ever lost in a crowd when Jesus arrives on the scene. He sees us as individuals for who we are, uh, not as just members of society. I'm not just a member of Landmark Baptist Church. Uh, my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And, and God knows me by name. He knows who I am. And God expects me to live my life in a certain way. Uh, the miracle is not only for the son or for the town or for the disciples. The miracle was for a mother whose heart was broken. God performed that miracle for that woman. He took that boy and raised him up because that mother was weeping and that mother needed a miracle in her life. He did that for her. He did it for other reasons as well, I know. But I think the main point is there is that he took her and singled her out and said that she's not so lowly that I can't pick her up, that I'm not going to help this woman. She's No name is mentioned in the Bible. We don't know. She didn't have a godly heritage and have all this over there. But God took her and had compassion on her, and he picked that boy up and raised her, him up in order that she wouldn't weep anymore. Thank God for that, that I don't have to be uh, highfalutin in order to serve the Lord Jesus. I don't have to be somebody. I am somebody in the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw her individually. He had something special for her and her alone. We see that the miracle was performed on the young man, but I think it was more for the woman than him. Because verse 15, look at it. It says, and he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him unto who? His mother. Give him to his mother. And we see that it was individually uh, about her. 
Look at verse 14 here. He says, And he came and touched uh, the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. <clears throat> One of the things that, that come, he said, it's, they stood still. And, and I, I went back and I looked at the Psalms there, and we, we, we see the, the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. They, they stood still to see the power of God. And sometimes we need to stop and realize uh, that it is God that's doing this work, not us. It's God that's doing the work. God can't work sometimes because we're too busy. We're too busy moving about and we're cumbered about with a load of care. I remember Brother Strange preaching when he preached that message and he was talking about Martha and Mary and what's, what's the meaning of this waste uh, of the oil and the things that were there. And, and what's the meaning of all this? Take time to uh, meditate upon God's Word. Take time to meditate in prayer with the Lord Jesus Christ. Take time to give God His due and what He deserves. He deserves it all anyway, and we need to give Him that time. Meditate upon it. Be still and know that He's God. Hear that, uh, that small, still voice that talks to you and tells you that that's what you need to be doing. This is how you need to be living. These are the things that you need to be doing. These are the decisions that you need to be making. These are the things that I've called you to do. Your life is short. Your time. He said that it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Your life is like a vapor that appears for a while. Your life's like a tale that's told. God said that it's going to come to an end and it's going to pass you by in the blink and you're going to be gone. And you're going to say, what did I do for the Lord Jesus Christ? Be still sometimes. Just stop. Put the phone down. Put the things that are around you that distract you down and say, God, me and you need to do business. Me and you need to do business. Whatever your situation and how serious the problem, Jesus understands your fear sometimes. And man, it's, it's, we live in a fearful time. I, I mean, I don't fear where my soul is going to spend an eternity, but we live in the times that are fearful. I fear for my, uh, my family. I fear for those that are around me that I love. You never know what's going to happen on the, you don't know what's going to happen when you drive down the street sometimes. The, the, the foolishness that you come in contact with. But God hurts with us. He opens his arms. He invites us to draw close to him. He wants to love us. He wants to touch you with his compassion. He, he, his mercy and his grace and his invitation is ever the same. I've, I've heard hundreds of messages from behind this pulpit, and those messages all contain the same thing. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is for, it, it, it reaches and, and extends beyond. God loves me. That, that, that invitation has always been the same. I've heard the same, the same invitation for years. And why would I doubt that? I read about it. The Bible says, Come unto, unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God wants you to come unto him. He begs you to come unto him. He, he, you're, you're important to him. He'll stop everything. Jesus, when you mean business with the Lord, God will stop everything to 
lift the burden that's there. And how do you say, well, how do you know that? Because in the Bible it says, cast all your care uh, upon him for he cares for you. He says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Jesus performed the miracle to do what? Point others to him. That's what he did. He performed every one of the miracles to point people to him. Verse 16 says, fear came upon all and they glorified God. You see the result of this? Verse 17, the miracle was talked about throughout all Judea and the region round about. When somebody acknowledges the things that are there and the miracles that are performed, guess what? The mission work starts. People start talking. When people see that your religion is real, guess what? People start talking. There's something different about you. And I don't say it, and I, and I don't like but I've, I've had several sit in my office and say, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something different. I look at them and say, it's Jesus Christ that's different. He made the difference in my life. That's what makes the difference. People know when you're real and when you're fake. That's just the way, it, and you call it a hypocrite, you call it whatever you want. But people know when there's some realness about you. When you really hurt when they hurt, when they, when they see that you care about them, when you have a genuine care for people. Verse 18, and the disciples of John showed him all of these things. What did they show? Encouragement and acknowledgement of the Messiah to the believers. You're singularly important to God. You're individually important to God. God sees you. He's got, he, he'll show you compassion and he can pick you out in a crowd of, uh, of uh, tons of people, multitudes of people, and hear what you have to say. But you've got to mean business. And, you know, we had this missions conference, and this is the, I don't know how many now that I've been part of them ever since I've been here. I haven't helped organize, and I didn't really help organize. Most of the people that did the organization, I'd, all I did was just say hi to people and, Send them some emails and say, glad you're here. Um, everybody else f footed the work and did the majority of the work. But, you know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> we made those people feel important. Not one of those missionaries that, that, that I talked to said, your church, I can tell that your folks love missionaries. They love the work. And that's a testament to us. That's a testament to you. That's a testament to the love of God in your heart. And we need to continue to strive. I encourage you to do what you can do and do above, uh, far above what you, you could even expect of yourself. God will bless it. I promise you God will bless it and use it because it takes not me, not just Jimmy, not just Brother Daryl. It takes every one of us to do it. We make up the body of Christ. We're all individual and we all have a part to do as we stand to our feet.